Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Bring, bring it back. Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Jake, Newcastle fan. Uh, you can get me on Twitter at JakeJack with two N's. Hello, my name is Thomas Nygren. I write about Liverpool on a Swedish website called lfcsv.se. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me today, guys. One of the rare instances where I think all the guests are happy, assuming that Jake is pleased with a draw against West Ham. Uh, I, in particular, am happy for the first time in four matches. Tottenham had been on a three-match losing streak. And then, of course, the response is beating league leader City 3-2. Could have been some other things that happened in the match. Kane had a goal discounted for offside, penalty call. All this stuff, but ultimately still a very dramatic late gas winner from Harry Kane to make it 3-2. And I just wanted to ask you guys some general questions, I guess for starters. Why do Tottenham seem to always beat City? It's happened twice this season under two different managers. City, the only club to lose to Poch, Mourinho, Nuno, and Conte in four or five meetings. So some weird stuff happening between these two clubs. So yeah, I guess we'll just start off with why do you think Tottenham keep getting away with this against City? Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? I think some teams uh, have just uh, are just better suited to playing against certain teams. So I guess Tottenham have just been City's kryptonite for a while now. Uh, I think the the players that Tottenham have, especially Son, I think the Son is uh, tailor made for Tottenham. I just think his pace and his um, his pace and his movement are just so perfect for playing against. Um, City and it, and it's it shows in his uh his record um against against them as well. Obviously he scored a lot of goals against them. He scored the goal on the opening day of the season. Scored those couple in the Champions League a few seasons ago. Then yesterday I thought his, he was excellent in it, in the way he created chances for Kane. Uh, he obviously got two assists. Probably should have got a third when he played Kane through when it was two one. Um and, and Kane probably should have taken that chance as well. So he was really good and um. Yeah, I think he's definitely the key to it for me. Um, I, I do think City were were not as good as they usually are yesterday. I'm not quite sure for why that is, but you know you, you have to give credit for credit to Spurs, and that they definitely seem to have just found a way. And it's not even like it's one certain manager that has done it. It's just it, it's I think it's four or five managers now that have beaten City for Tottenham. So it's, it really is a strange one. Um, but yeah, for me, Son is definitely the one. Um, and Kane as well. Kane was really good yesterday. You know, City do tend to leave space in their own half, and when you when you leave space for Son and Kane, their their um, chemistry together, they they will always sort of create chances. And I think we've seen that in in the last few seasons. Um, but yeah, for Spurs, definitely does open up the uh, top four race for them again, especially if they can back that up with a win against Burnley during the week. And um, 
and for City, um, I still think they're they're the most likely to win the league, and I think there's probably a setback. Um, if anything, it's probably just going to focus minds even more at City. And uh, yeah, we've seen it before. They normally do bounce back from from di- uh, difficult results in, in a really good way. I think when they lost to City, uh, lost to Palace earlier in the season, they bounced back really well. And I'd expect something similar uh, this time. But yeah, from, it, it's just a, one of those weird quirks in the in the results in, in the in the way that Tottenham keep beating them. But yeah, it, it does seem to keep happening. I guess after a while, it just plays on the minds of both play, both sets of players too. Uh, well, I, yeah, I, of course, really enjoyed Spurs' result yesterday because it gave us some hope of catching City at the top of the league. And uh, as you said, this, this it isn't the first time the Spurs have made it difficult for City. We've seen that both in Premier League and in Champions League. Uh, and one thing that I think is uh, very important here is that you often tend to score first against City and uh, often quite early. And then you have the chance to maybe defend and uh, defend your lead and rely a bit more on individual quality going forward. And I think that the way Spurs play against City is seem to be very difficult for Pep's team to figure out since uh, you have great options up front to hurt them when they lose focus at the back. And Kane is such a smart footballer that he can both score goals and uh, play some through on goal. And uh, that is something that City seem to struggle with often when they, when, uh, they play each other. And now that you've added some Swedish firepower as well up front, <laughs> it may be, it's even more difficult for them because uh, Spurs usually defend well against City and uh, are great at counterattacks when you get the chance. And I think the key, the key here is Kane and Son, as Jake mentioned, because the way they find each other, the way they find the spaces behind the defenders is very important. And uh, Spurs doesn't need many chances to score in these games. And um, you, you often see teams play defend low against City and against us in Liverpool. But um, when they get the chances, they miss them because they haven't got the quality up front that uh, Spurs have. And uh, when you give Son spaces behind the defenders, he's one of the most dangerous players in the world. And um, when you play low against City, you, you tend to use your chance to counterattack and do it really good. And from what I've seen, it is harder for Spurs when you have to dictate the tempo and when you have most of the possession. And uh, that is not a problem against City because it doesn't, you don't need that. If you look at the stats from the game yesterday, it looks like an easy win for City because they had 72% of the possession and 44-2 in crosses and 10 against nil in corners. But when you look in, at uh, shots on target, it's 5-4 uh, to Spurs. So that says a lot about how effective the way you played against City is. I still see City as favourites, of course, because they have six points more than we do and uh, they, we need to play them away from home in April. But uh, I really like the way that this title race has developed because we look more solid now than we did in December and uh, we get results even when we don't play very well. City has started to drop a few points and uh, I guess that they focus a bit on Champions League as well when we're getting closer to the end of that tournament. So I think that we do have a small chance to uh, catch them. Yeah, I definitely think the the title race has become more interesting. And I think you make a really good point, Thomas, talking about uh, Kulisevsky, because in the midst of the Kane and Son always do this against City thing, Kulisevsky with a goal and then the game-winning assist 
uh, obviously played a really big part of that. For those that didn't notice, Bentinkor is actually the one that played it over the top to Kulisevsky. So uh, when we talk about the, you know, the, how the the transfer window went for Tottenham and how the squad got thinner but more complete, I think that's one of the things you're talking about there. Um, is there a side that your clubs in particular just always seem to have have the better hand of? Like Jake mentioned earlier, some clubs just seem to match up best against others. Yeah. Um, um... For Newcastle, not not many spring to mind. I think we a few seasons ago we did have quite a good record uh, going away to Tottenham. Kev, I, I, I'm sure you remember that. Oh time, yeah, that we yeah. We had a few wins in a row, but uh, that seems to have stopped lately. So I, I'm not sure I'd class uh, them as one. Um, Everton recently, we've won our last three games against Everton, so that's quite a good um, quite a good barometer of, of where we're at um, with them. But um, yeah, uh, that they're the, the only two that that really jump out to me. Um, we don't really do that well again. <laughs> we haven't really done well against many teams recently, and that's why we've been at the bottom of the table for so long. But yeah, they're, they're the two that that jump out. Um, and yeah, we still got still got to to play Everton again this season in a couple of weeks, and we've got got to go away to Tottenham. So who knows? Maybe we'll be able to rekindle those. Uh, well, um, there are a few teams that we have. Uh... We tend to get good results against, especially in the past four or five years when we've been good. And one of them is Norwich that we played this weekend. And uh, from the past 17 games we played them, we won 15 and draw two. Oof. And I would say that, that that's quite a decent uh, decent record. And uh, there was a time when we had Suarez when we played them uh, three times in uh, one year. And we scored five goals in all three games. And in the past six games, we've scored 19. So we had a crazy win against them early in Klopp's Liverpool career when Lalana scored an extra time and then broke Klopp's glasses. And apart from that, it has mostly been easy wins against them last year. So Norwich is a team that I like to play. And uh, another team that we usually get a good result, result against is uh, our rivals in Everton. Last season, we didn't beat them, but that was... Uh, that was during the horrible period when everyone in our squad was injured. So apart from that, we rarely lose to them. And the only game that they won against us in the league um, since 2010 is the game we played last year. Sometimes we draw against Goodison, but we almost beat them at Anfield every time. And to be, to, uh, to be a city rival and have such a good record against them, is, uh, it's good for us. Gosh, I was really worried you were going to say Tottenham because it feels like quite a while since we've beaten Klopp, but uh, <laughs> but you've made two much kinder selections there as well. Uh, we've we've all now already said that we think that the the title race is back on, although we do favor City. I don't think we need to belabor that too much. I'm sure that'll be the main discussion uh, this week in sports media in general, but. Yeah, it, it definitely makes things a bit more interesting, and I did get a lot of very friendly messages from Liverpool people yesterday <laughs> after the result. Um, a, a team that's been really surging, maybe not even just lately, just I feel like they've been going under the radar a lot and feel like we need to give them a, a little bit of praise is Southampton. Uh, they've lost just twice since November. Uh, obviously, some pretty decent results. I think they drew both Manchester clubs. Obviously, uh, had a late uh, uh, win against Tottenham. So I was just curious what, what you guys have made of Southampton o- over this stretch and, and the season on the whole, especially considering they were relegation candidates last year. Yeah, um, they've definitely been um, improved in recent weeks. I think they've got a really good spine to the team. Um, I think Salah, who's really come on at centre-back, I think... Ward Prowse and Romeo is, you know, one of the most reliable and consistent central midfield partnerships in the league. 
uh, and Din uh, Broha uh, up front. They've got a, a little bit of X factor in their team. Um, and Che Adams has really improved recently as well. It just seems to be a confidence thing with Southampton. They go through those runs. And I think the way Hassan Hutu, um coaches teams and the way he's quite emotional, I do think it what sort of works out that they will go through these these really good run, um, runs of form uh, where they pick up a lot of wins and sort of the emotion and the confidence to sort of bounce from game to game. But at the same time, they can go on equally uh, negative runs of form as well. So I'm, I'm sure... Um, they'll sort of, it will drop off eventually and they they will lose a few. But um, yeah, I, I think they're just that type of team. Um, I've been really impressed with them recently. I just think they're in a, a, a good frame of mind. Obviously, the way they've played against Tottenham, they played really well there. The way they played against um, Manchester United as well, away, they they could argue they've won that game as well. Um, yeah, they, they are in a really good, good place. But um, yeah, for me, I think they're probably a, a solid mid-table team. But I, I think their recent run of form uh, is probably going to be difficult to sustain longer term just because of the, the energy it takes out of them. Um, but yeah, they, they are a solid team and uh, they, they have no no worries about relegation, but I don't think they've got the consistency over a longer period of time to, to do what maybe Wolves or West Ham are doing this season. Uh, well, uh, I haven't seen many of Southampton's games in the recent weeks, but um, of course their record is uh, impressive and they, they deserve to be where they are. They seem to be a very well-run club and I like that they kept their faith in Hassan Italy even when the results uh, were against them last season. Um, I like them that they, are, they aren't afraid to try younger managers from abroad instead of signing some of the British managers that tend to end up at teams in the relegation fight. And I think that they, if they had gone for a Hodgson or an Allardyce last season when they struggled, they would be in the same situation uh, this season. Um, they're clever at the transfer market and the signings of Livramento and Broja from Chelsea shows that uh, good players that they sign on loan and for a, for a decent amount of money. Because they sell a lot of players. There was a time that almost half our team was from Southampton. Uh, but they often do good when they, when they, when they, they replace them. And as Jake mentioned, uh, James Ward-Prowse, to have a player who is world-class on set pieces is important and can give you points even when you don't play very well. As I mentioned, I haven't seen in many games from them this season, so it's hard to say much about how the way they play. But um, I'm a bit surprised to see them doing this well, but I'm also very impressed. And uh, I like them as a club, and I hope that they keep on doing well. Yeah, I agree with a lot of the points that were made. And I think what's really impressive, and Jake, you're not wrong, you know, the, this kind of run can certainly take it out of you. But I feel like a lot of times when we talk about a, a team surprising and, and going on a run like this, they've played a lot of easy teams and they were about to play all the hard ones. But I think what's really impressive about this is, like I said, it was against the two Manchester clubs. It was against Tottenham twice in the last six. It was against Everton. It was against a very good Wolves team who they did lose to, who, who obviously are, are in a pretty good purple patch themselves. But in theory, the schedule is going to get lighter from here, not harder. And I think that's really uh, promising for them. I agree with you. I don't really think they're going to get into the European spots or anything right now. But they're in 10th, obviously no threat of relegation. And yeah, I think they've been doing really well thus far. Uh, we've all praised Hazen Hoodle thus far. Do you think there's a point at which other clubs start to pique their interest again? Or do you think the fact that he has had some damaging results in the past, the big score lines, the big stretches without wins, that that'll kind of prevent him from, from getting that next step up? Um, I think he's still, he, another, he will eventually take the next step up. Although he's been talking about retiring when, it, when his Southampton contract finishes. I'm not sure if he 
really wanted to be in management for the long term. But I don't, you know, manage, management uh, reputations get damaged as easily as they get um, repaired as well. And the recent, you know, uh, people in football have a short memory. And I think that what's, if he continues his good form and, and Southampton continue to improve and show a little bit more consistency, I don't think there's any reason why he can't be uh, in line for uh, any of the bigger jobs. I'm not sure quite what level he'd go to. Um, you know, maybe he'd want somebody um, maybe with a little bit more spending money, although Southampton have just been taken over, so we don't know how that's going to work out. But I'm not sure I quite see him at the level of a, of a Tottenham or an Arsenal. But maybe that next tier down, maybe he'd want to go and manage, I don't know, um, Everton, if they settle down a little bit, or Aston Villa, or uh, maybe even Newcastle. Um, maybe that would be Rogers the Rogers one, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, Leicester's a good shout. Um but yeah, I think he's definitely he's definitely um, repairing his reputation. I don't think that he's, he's been irreparably uh, damaged by what's happened. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think um, I don't think he's a manager for the teams at the top six or top seven, but um, maybe a step further up in the table from uh, Southampton is something that he can get if uh, if he can keep Southampton playing this way. Because we've seen a few good managers at Southampton in the past season, like. Uh, Pochettino, who can uh, take the next step if he can, uh, if they can make the team perform uh, with some consistency. But Hasenitel uh, has been there for a few seasons now, so maybe his name isn't uh, isn't as strong as it was if, it, if he had gone to next to another level a few seasons ago. Uh, I think um, I think he will stay at Southampton for a few seasons and maybe maybe Leicester or Aston Villa or a team like that, but. Uh, I think that uh, is the highest up in the table. We see him if he if he doesn't want to go to to another league, back to Bundesliga or something like that, and get to a team at the top of the table over there. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I agree with all of that, and I think you make a really good point, Jake, about managerial uh, opinions being kind of repaired more quickly than they're being damaged. Because all you have to see is a few good wins and think, oh, what could he do with our squad? Uh, especially when you're at a, a club that, you know, doesn't spend loads of money, uh, as Southampton typically don't, although they've been absolutely crushing their their loan signings. And the Kyle Walker-Peters deal seems to have been a great one for them. And obviously, Livermento was doing well before he got injured. Broja, you know, we all mentioned, has been really good for them up front. So they, they seem to be really good at, at finding talent and developing it. Uh, and uh, you'd expect that to continue even post Austin Hoodle if he ends up retiring randomly. But, you know, weirder things have happened in football, to be sure. All right, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll be back with club-specific questions for each of our guests. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. 
All right, we'll start off with Jake talking about Newcastle. You're obviously on a fairly strong run of your own. Your last loss coming before Christmas, December 19th it was, against Manchester City. Obviously, the fact that it was in December means it predated uh, the January transfer window. But I was just curious, what all's been happening at, at Newcastle since we heard from you last in terms of you know strengthening as, as a squad and, and the performances overall? Yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting uh, sort of January transfer window. Um, quite exciting, but also quite, um, I don't know, frustrating at the same time. It was, it was a, you just didn't quite know what to believe. So I think Newcastle, as, as is going to be the case going forward, are just going to be used a lot by agents. Um, and yeah, I think it's, it's going to be a difficult one uh, for supporters. But, you know, it's much more exciting than, than not signing anybody like we did under Mike Ashley and then trying and failing to sign somebody like Hamza Chowdhury on deadline day. I think it's definitely more exciting than that. So obviously we got five players in. Um, we got uh, Kieran Trippier at the start of the window. Uh, then we got Chris Woods, uh, Bruno Gimaresh, and then we finished with Dan Byrne and Matt Target. So it's quite a good window, solid one. Um, I think four of the players coming in, obviously, have got a lot of Premier League experience. So you know what you're going to get from them. And, and Gimaresh was sort of the, uh, the statement signing. Uh, sort of the one to show that the the ownership mean business and sort of send it, sending a statement out there. So I think that one was why he was signed. Um, but it has been, it's been, it has gone really well since then. Um, obviously, I think we, we've seen a couple of the new signings come and do really well. Trippier's obviously done very well um, before his injury and getting a couple of free kick goals but it, it was more than that it's sort of leadership and and the way he was he was sort of dominating games from right back he was you know having 20 to 30 more touches than anybody else in the Newcastle colours so he was obviously so influential uh, in possession uh, and his leadership too so he, he's been a really good signing uh, just frustrating that he has now picked up an injury um Dan Byrne and Matt Target as well. They've both um, played a couple of games now. They've both been really good defensively, and we've seen some some upturn defensively. I just think we're not conceding as many chances anymore. So I think that's been a, a definite plus for Eddie Howe, especially as he as a coach. He's known he's not really been known for being a good defensive coach, but from what I've seen at Newcastle, he's the the biggest improvement we've had is the, is how we're now sort of controlling games and conceding fewer chances. Um, so, you know, he's, he's proven some of those critics wrong. Um, although, we you know, we want to see it over a, a longer period, but the, the early signs are good. Um, and then obviously Gimaresh um, and Chris Wood um, have, have, have yet to really find their stride. Gimaresh is struggling to get into the team. And uh, Chris Wood is, is, he's been playing well. He's been playing a role, but he just doesn't really look like scoring at the moment. But he, he's added that focal point, And I think that has been useful. But for the... You know, I've I read a, a lot at the end of the trans, January transfer window, a lot of people saying that they were a little bit underwhelmed by Newcastle's business and that they didn't really think we'd done enough to to, to make sure we stay up. And now now it looks like we're sort of climbing the table. The 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 narrative has changed to, well, of course, they stay, of course they're going to stay up. They spent all that money in January. <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's a little bit odd what they were saying at the time. But, you know, it's, it's always a, an, an outcome bias in the way things get reported. But... For me, the most you know the most important thing has been the the improvement of the players already at the club. Um, I think we've we've seen the value of having uh, a manager that coaches the players and, and improves the players he's already got. Um, one of the main issues fans had with Bruce was that you could sort of see players getting worse before your eyes, and, and now it's definitely the the opposite. And 
some of the comments that we've seen from Brian Fraser and Joe Willock after the game yesterday too sort of show that the players are sort of uh, thinking similar things, saying that, you know, it, it's been a massive transformation on, on the training ground and, and you're seeing the rewards now. Um, you know, we've got a central midfield at the moment, Joe Willock, John Joe Shelby and Jolinton, uh, and they were all playing really, really well. We dominated the the midfield yesterday against West Ham, uh, Declan Rice and, and Thomas Suchek, one of the better combinations in the league, and, and we were the better team in the middle of the park. Uh, and that is why Gameresh is struggling to get into the team. He's struggling to even get on for, for more than five minutes at a time because those three are playing so well. Um, so that's been the most pleasing thing. Um, but yeah, I think... The last six games, I think we're we're now unbeaten in six in the Premier League. We've got three wins, three draws, uh, and you look at the, the the Manchester United game. We probably could have won that game. We, we were definitely the ones pushing for the winner, uh, and we did concede a, a sort of a, a scrappy goal to them. The Watford game, we conceded a late equaliser there, and then yesterday, I think we were the better team. So in the last six games, we we could arguably have won all, all six. Um, so. It, it's the consistency we're now finding that is, is really pleasing. Um, and even though some other results at the bottom haven't gone our way this weekend, you know, you got you can't you can't be judging you can't be judging things on one weekend. What we're saying from Newcastle is a, a consistent improvement and cons, uh, consistency in performance that you're just not getting from the rest of the teams at the bottom. And that's why I'm just so confident we're going to stay up now. Um, I I think it's it's much more likely Newcastle finish higher up the table than it is lower than in the table than they currently are. I think we're going to be finishing higher than 17th, not lower than 17th. So it's really, really pleasing, especially when you think yesterday we went away to West Ham, a team that are going for Champions League football. We were missing Kieran Trippier, Callum Wilson and Alistair Maximan, and we were the better team and should have won the game. So, you know, in previous years, if with the previous manager, if he had his three best players missing, he, that would have been a ready-made excuse and the and the players just wouldn't have believed they could get something. But yesterday, the players that went out there played really well and we deserved the three points, I think. I think we were the better team. Um, so, yeah, that that's the value that Eddie Howe is bringing uh, to Newcastle at the moment. And I just can't see how we're not going to stay up. Um, I think that, you know, next weekend, I think we've got Brentford away. I think they've lost six of their last eight or something. And just the way the two teams are playing, I just can't see us not going there um, as long as we sort of maintain our current level. So, yeah, it's, it is really positive at Newcastle. And, for yeah, it's probably the most positive it's been for a long time. And I just I just can't see. I'm sure that there are going to be hiccups in the road. And I think there's going to be there's going to be some bad results. But I just think the, the, the trajectory is on an upwards curve. And I just can't see relegation now. I just, I'd, I'd be really surprised if we did go down. Yeah, I think you make an excellent point about the players being coached well. And I did notice a trend. Just as you were talking, I pulled up Joe Ellington's uh, positional usage since December 19th, which was that loss. He has started in central midfield every match after that. He That was only his second time playing there for you. And I did see a Tottenham fan saying that Joe Ellington is the closest thing they've seen to pre Tottenham Dembele, where of course uh, Musa Dembele came through as a forward, then got converted to a central midfielder at Fulham, and then obviously went on to have a really good career at Spurs. And I was thinking there are some there are some similarities there with the height and the strength, the ability to hold the ball. And I was just curious if you see that similarity as well, and how much he specifically might have had a part in, in these things kind of turning around for you. Yeah, it's an interesting one because I I thought about it before, and I've I thought that I've not quite seen a transition like this 
ever in football that, that for a for a misfiring striker to go on and be such a dominant force in central midfield. But I guess Moussa Dembele would be would be a great example. Although I don't think he quite had the the he quite he didn't quite have the the status that Joe Ellington had as such a failing forward mm. in the Premier League. So he didn't quite come back from that that sort of reputation. But it's definitely a good comparison. I can see the I can see the similarities and and the way he's playing now is very sort of um, reminiscent of the way Dembele used to play for Spurs. He, his main sort of role is to win the ball back, to press, and he's very good at sort of carrying the ball in the middle third and sort of beating a, a man or two and then playing it off quite simply to somebody else. So he's not really a creative player. He's not really a goal-scoring midfielder, but he's very good at just sort of, you know, getting from box to box and just winning the ball back and then, you know, getting the ball forward. So that's definitely, definitely a very similar profile in the way he's playing. So I think that's an excellent comparison, obviously. We want to see it for a longer period from Jolinton uh, and hopefully we're going to see that. But it, it has been quite a, a weird transformation. I always thought that he wasn't quite a central striker, but I thought he was he was going to have more of a future as sort of a wide forward. But now he's playing in central midfield. It just looks like he's been playing there his whole career. And it, he's been so important to to the way we've we've picked up. Um, I think it was uh, the Norwich game that he first played in that role after we had a red card and he, he sort of got shifted back and he, he played so well in that game and, and he's just sort of maintained that and he's playing on the, the left of the midfield three which is where Gimaresh uh, would probably want to play but it's just so difficult to see him dropping Joel into now and, and the way Joel, Joel will explain as well it's so difficult to see where Gimaresh comes into that team probably in an ideal world you'd want him to come in for Shelby uh, but Shelby's been playing really well and uh, I think Eddie Howe quite likes him but I'm, I'm sure that's the the change that will eventually happen but there's no need to rush it you know if you've got a midfield three that's working well it doesn't matter how much you've spent on the player that's sat on your bench it's only been three games now he's going to get his chance eventually he's not signed for this season alone um yeah, it, it, it's it's a really weird one in in the middle of the park moment. But yeah, Jordan's has been excellent. I think that the, the Dembele comparison is a very good one, and not one that I've really thought of. Cool. Well, yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on. And obviously, Dembele did it for a long time, and I guess that's kind of the thing to see is if Jolinton can keep it up. But if he can, you have quite the player on your hands there for sure. Uh, you also mentioned Kieran Trippier's injury a little bit earlier. Obviously, that's a bit of a bummer since he was the first one through the door in in your January group there um is the plan just to meal craft the rest of the season will you try to tweak other things maybe change the formation to account for that missing or, or do you think you'll just go like for like um yeah i think it's a bit of a problem position for us now with Trippier out but i think uh having mankio uh he got injured in the same game but it's not meant to be as serious i think he's only going to be out for uh, um he might be back for the brentford game if not definitely the the one after that so he's probably going to be the one that that plays it right back he's got a little bit more to it, to his game he's a little bit he's better defensively than craft and he's he's got a little bit more going forward and he's been really good under eddie howe when he has played so i'd expect him to come in there um hopefully trippier will be back before the end of the season um but you know that if if we continue getting good results and, and climb the league table there's really no need to rush him back so yeah i think mankey is the one that we'd want to to see play I think yesterday Kraft was definitely the weakness. He was he was conceded the free kick that led to their goal and it was it was a silly one to give away. And I think there was a few other times where he sort of gave the ball away or he was a little bit panicky in in, in what he did on the ball. So he was definitely a weakness. So yeah, I think that's some it would be a worry if we had to have him for the rest of the season, but I think Mankio will come back in and he he's proven to be quite a solid Premier League operator down the years. So I wouldn't have too many concerns about him covering there. And I although it's a drop off from Trippier, um I don't think it's I don't think Mankio would be the weakness that Kraft is, but um 
yeah, I think that's the way they'll go. Um, I think um, it's, it's worth commenting that a lot of what um, Kieran Trippier was doing on the ball and, and from the set pieces, Matt Target did a really good job yesterday of, of sort of contributing uh, going forward, sort of adding that creativity, that ability to pass the ball. Uh, through the through the thirds and then also take set pieces. So maybe he's going to have a little bit more of a prominent role than he would have done if, if Trippier uh, had avoided injury. Gotcha. Well, yeah, I guess we'll just kind of keep an eye on what happens while you wait for Manquillo to get, to, to get back. And then my final question for you was about the goalkeeping situation. Basically, since Dubrovka got his place back in November, he's just been riding it the whole way. Are we assuming that that's the case? And what do you think you'll do with your bevy of other keepers now moving forward? Yes, it, the goalkeeping one's a difficult one because we did seem to have a abundance of riches at the start of the season with with Dubravka and Darlow and, and Woodman, but I don't think any of them really convinced. I think Dubravka's sort of, he's had a really difficult year. I think um, the injury's been the main one, but I think I think we'll all remember at the Euros where he sort of threw one in the, to the goal and he, he's made a couple of big errors for Newcastle as well. I think he's been a little bit low on confidence. Recently, he's been a lot better. I think yesterday he made a really good save from Bowen and, and he did a, a few nice things off his line. He didn't have a great deal to do, um, but he, he everything he did, uh, he did well. He's just he's not quite got the distribution or the ability to pass out from the back that I think Howe wants. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe Dean Henderson come in during the during the summer. I think I mean, it's quite well known that, that we tried to sign him last month. I, if, if he's not going to play for Manchester United, I think... It's, it makes a lot of sense. He's he's, you know, he's got a little bit more about him uh, in terms of passing out from the back, and he, you know, he's a young English goalkeeper. His, his value is only going to increase. It's it's the type of goalkeeper that you'd sort of want to be at the centre centre of a project like the one at Newcastle. So I could see that one happening. Um, Bravka, he's been you know solid for us down the years. I just think there's a few doubts about how he's going to adapt to the house style and there's also the injury problem he does seem to miss a few months with injury every season so it's not, it's not ideal if you if he's your number one um but yeah it's it, i think it's definitely one that the club will look at in the summer whether that is to bring somebody in to compete with Dubravka and then eventually replace them or if it's just a straight replacement um and then moving Dubravka on i'm not sure um but yeah he, he's i was worried about him a quite a lot a few weeks ago but he's definitely improved recently I think it, it helps that he doesn't have so much to do now um he's not he, our goal isn't quite being peppered in the same way so if, if you get if you have a lot to do as a goalkeeper it's it's much more likely you're going to make more mistakes you know it's just that's just the law of averages but now we're sort of giving him a little bit more protection he does seem to um have a lot more confidence and hopefully he can get back to his best but yeah I think whether it's in the summer or the following summer, I think it is only a matter of time before a more sort of modern day keeper does come in. Gotcha. Well, as I've said with all these things, really curious to see how all that works out for you. But yeah, Dubrovka seems to be the guy for now, at least. Uh, coming to you now, Thomas, to talk a little bit about Liverpool. First off, you're welcome. Uh, secondly, <laughs> you, you mentioned uh, Norwich and your success about them uh, over the past years. Obviously, the 3-1 win yesterday, although it wasn't easy at, at the beginning, at least. Um, but yeah, ultimately, you end up being just fine. Uh, but I was curious about the wingback situation. Obviously, you felt this was a match in which you could rest uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andrew Robertson. So I just wanted to start by asking what you made of the performances of uh, Samakis on the left and Joe Gomez on the right. Uh, well, uh, we've seen from Simikas a few times this season that he is... Um... He's decent as a backup for Robertson. He's got a nice left foot and uh, he can do a good job uh, on that side. But 
On the right side, it's a bit more worrying because uh, Joe Gomez made his first start in 15 months, and uh, of course, you can't expect him to be a full to be a replacement for maybe the best right side defender in the world. But um, I think that. He, Joe Gomez is not a right-sided defender, he's a central defender, and you can see that many times yesterday. He's, uh, he's quick and he's good at defending, but he's not, he's, he, uh, he doesn't have the right foot as Trent Alexander-Arnold has. And uh, when, when Trent can't play, we need to play in a different way. And uh, yesterday we lacked uh, the quality uh, around the penalty area. And uh, it wasn't until Thiago was on the pitch that we started to threat them uh, in the way that we should do. And uh, Joe Gomez is a good good footballer, and I see him as a central defender in Liverpool in, in the coming years, but I don't want him to play instead of Trent Alexander-Arnold. We need a player that is a bit more similar to Trent on that side, um, in the way that we signed Simikas for uh, Andrew Robertson on the other side. And uh, we've got uh, a big squad now in Liverpool. We have many options, both up front and in midfield. we got four centre-backs that are uh, really good. we got two goalkeepers that's got that's shown great class this season. But... Behind the trend, we we don't have a player of the similar similar type, and since Trent Alexander-Arnold is so important for the way that we play, uh, it, we need to change so much when he's not in the squad. And uh, I think that is an issue that we need to to solve going forward if we want to keep on competing on so many levels, because we're still in four competitions and he can't play every game. Of course, if you play uh, Joe Gomez, maybe once in eight or ten games, it's no problem. But maybe if uh, Trent gets in here, we need to play him every game. And uh, I think that can be a bigger issue than if we maybe get uh, Salah injured. Uh, Klopp used uh, James Milner on that that position a few times last season. But uh, even though I, I love James Milner, but he's not the player that he was a few seasons ago. And it's, uh, I think he's too slow now to play as a right-side defender. So... Uh, the competition for Trent Alexander-Arnold is maybe the biggest issue in Liverpool's squad now, and um, I think the club will try to solve this um, during the summer. But uh, with the squad that we have now, I think we need to see him see Trent being fit for the rest of the season if we want to keep on competing on the, in every competition. Simicas um, on the left side is exactly what we needed to compete with uh, Robertson. He's not as good as Robertson, but he's a similar player, and we can play in the same way. I think that he maybe he's got a better left foot than uh, Andrew Robertson have, uh, especially on uh, set pieces. But uh, of course, Andrew Robertson is also a world-class player, and he's been in this squad so long. So you always know that he, that he will ha- will have a great game. Simic is a bit more up and down, but I think he did good yesterday. He uh, assisted one of the goals, and uh, we c- we can rely on him as a backup for Andrew Robertson. It's. Uh, it's a bit worse on the right side. I I think that Gomez will play a few more games on that position this uh, in the games that we have left, and uh, I just hope that he can maybe improve his uh, qualities going forward a bit. And it's hard to be uh, it's hard to judge him in, in this game because he hasn't played in. He's been uh, injured many times in the past three seasons, so he's a bit rusty, and he he usually is a bit rusty when he's been out. So to play in. Uh, a position that he's not very used to in his first game is, of course, a bit difficult. It was a good game to start in because we should beat Norwich without Trent. But in, when, we, when we play more difficult teams coming forward, I think that it can be an issue if we need to play Joe Gomez out to the right.
Yeah, that's definitely interesting about how you, you kind of have that baked-in option on the left. I, I was impressed by Tsimakas, but uh, I saw people complaining about him not being Robertson, particularly on that early chance that he had where he put it over the crossbar. But yeah, definitely a, more of a like-for-like like than, as you say, Joe Gomez is a center back covering on that right side. So interesting to see what you do long-term, and it sounds like you're optimistic that you'll get a replacement there. Uh, obviously, your big signing in January was Luis Diaz. <laughs> I will not comment on the Tottenham part of that because I think we got a player that... Fits our system better than Diaz would have anyway. But what have been your early thoughts? Well, um, I didn't expect anything to happen in Liverpool, for Liverpool in January. So when the rumors about Diaz started, I was very excited. And now that I've seen him a few few times, I have to say I'm even more excited. It looks like that he has played for in Liverpool for years. And often when we sign new players, it takes a few it takes months for them to get into the system. But Luis Diaz. Well, from the first minute he played in Liverpool, it looks like he, he knew the system. And uh, he worked well both with Robertson and Simikas, and he's so confident. Yesterday, he started quite bad yesterday and missed out on a few, on a few dribbling opportunities against Norwich and lost the ball to Aarons a few times. But he, he just kept going and got better and better and wasn't afraid to do what he's good at. And the goal, the third goal, showed so much quality when... With the with the run into the penalty area and the way they chip the ball over the goalkeeper, I think that we, he will be perfect for us in the in the future. And for the past seasons, we have been relying so much on uh, Firmino, Mane, and Salah to be fit. And when one of them are out, we have dropped in quality. Now we have those three players left, and we still and we both have Jota and uh, Diaz behind them. So we now got five players who's good enough to start for us, and that is something that. Um, that we've lacked in uh, the past seasons. And it will be interesting to see what happens this summer because I guess uh, most of the Premier League supporters have uh, heard about the contract situations on all of our three attackers. And I don't think that um, we'll have all these uh, five players left when we start up next season in August. But um, from now until the end of the season, we've got some great opportunities up front. And... Uh, I also like Minamino as a sub because he's a, he's also a goal-scoring player. But he doesn't need many minutes to to score. He's not as good as the starting players, but he's a, a very good substitute sub. And the same with Origi. So I think we score a lot of goals in the games that we have left this season. So and Luis Luis Diaz, he will be a quality player for us for years to come. And I'm. I wouldn't be surprised if he starts to push Mane um, back again because he hasn't been the same player in this season that he was maybe two seasons ago. And you could see yesterday, when now that he's back from uh, the AFCON, that he was um, he was better than when he left. And maybe that's the competition that he's that he feels from Luis Diaz behind him that uh, that he starts to get back to his best. And the goal that he scored yesterday was um, was amazing. So. I'm I'm really positive about the way that we will attack in the upcoming games, and uh, I'm I'm very happy that we signed Luis Diaz now and didn't miss out on him. So, well, uh, I guess that the the other teams who try to sign him is would be a bit uh, sad to see him perform this well for us, but it's a uh, it's a reason for us to be happy, and uh, I think that uh, I think that we will see him score maybe his second goal on this Wednesday. 
Yeah, obviously scored his, his first goal for you at the weekend. And yeah, he, he seems, as you said, he seems to fit right in. He was already pulling off like no look back heels to a player behind him in space. And you're like, how did you know he'd be there? But yeah, pretty, pretty impressive thus far. Uh, and I figured we'd finish off talking about Liverpool by asking you about the state of mind of Liverpool fans after that Tottenham win against Manchester City. Are, are the hopes starting to get back up? You mentioned your six points back, but game in hand. Or is it, or is there just an expectation that City are going to do like they did two years ago and just refuse to lose again until the end of the year? Well, um, I I had given up on the title race a month ago, but now that City has started to struggle, I think that I'm mentally dragged back into it. So, And, of course, if we win against these, we're three points behind them and, we have, and we're playing them uh, in April. So, of course, I think most Liverpool fans feel that we have a chance and City is favourites. They... They can win every game from now until the end of the season. We've seen that before, uh, a few seasons ago, when we had the great run in, and they still managed to win every game and didn't make, didn't let us win the league. So, I don't think that we can afford to drop many more points this season if we want to catch them. But just to be able to catch them now, when uh, we're soon getting into March, is something that as a Liverpool supporter, of course, you have to you have to like because. For so many years, our league season was over in maybe December, and we all, I've grown up saying maybe next season, maybe next season. And now that we're still, we're only three points behind them if we win against Leeds. So um, I think that many Liverpool supporters are feeling that we we have a chance to catch them, uh, especially now when we have so many players fit. Uh, I think yesterday we only missed two players, and then. Um, that was uh, Firmino and Jota. And now that we have so, so big squad, we didn't even... I don't think that we could even notice that they were out because we had three players playing up front that was equally good. So, uh, I am, of course, as I said, City's favourites, but just to be able to catch them now, that we were eight points behind them just a few weeks ago, is, um, of course, very satisfying. And... Uh, I just hope that we are close to them when we get to April's, April so that we can have some, um, maybe some kind of league final against them on Etihad and, uh, and maybe put them under some pressure. And I think that Guardiola really would like to win Champions League this season and perhaps uh, focus a bit more on that when, when, it gets to, when we come to April, May and uh, give us an opportunity to, to catch them. So, well... My, my hope isn't as uh, dead as it was, as it was uh, a month ago. I'm really looking forward <laughs> to the next part of this season. Yeah, hope being not as dead as it was a month ago seems a good way to put it because it doesn't seem like everybody's quite gotten hopeful yet but they haven't given up hope as much as previously all right we'll head from there into player watch where i want to talk to you guys about a player that's maybe regularly starting i guess jake already alluded to one potentially that we'll hear from but a player in your starting 11 that's struggling or you think could lose their spot soon because somebody you know that's either currently a substitute or somebody in the youth ranks might might be ready to take the step up I touched on it briefly earlier, um, and it is mainly in the midfield area at the moment. The players are playing so well, so I don't think any of them are in danger of losing their spot because of their own performances. But I think it is, um, it's more about um, the the players that are sat in sat in the sat in the on the bench at the moment, and that is Bruno Gimmerich. I think eventually he's going to make his way into the team. He's he's playing for Brazil regularly. Um, so you know he'd expect to be playing for Newcastle, and I think he's the one that's going to come in. 
the only thing is who it's going to be for. Is it going to be for, for Willock, Joel Linton or John Joe Shelby? And I don't think any of them, um, the, the ones that I expect to drop out, they've all been so good um, recently. Um, might just be a case of rotating a little bit, especially I think we've got two Thursday games coming up soon um, and two Saturday games. So there might be a little bit of rotation when we get to that and we might see him then. Um, or it might be an injury that, that means he comes into the team. But he's the one that, that's not currently in the team that I expect to come in. Um, and yeah, I can't, I can't see anybody else really. I think Almiron is, is sort of, he's not really involved anymore. Um, Dwight Gale's never likely to really to play. Um, even LaSalle's at the moment. Shah and Byrne have been so good at centre-back, I can't see him coming in. It really is just the um, the, the central midfield situation. Um, I do think um, that maybe, uh, that obviously Craft ha- um, is going to lose his place at some point, and that'll be to Mankio, but that, that's just when he comes back from injury. Um, yeah, so the main one is, is Gimarish. I expect him to come in at some point in the next four games. Um, I just don't know for who. Or for that reason to be, it might just be, as I say, a simple case of rotation. But um, he's definitely going to come in at some point. Uh, well, um, a week ago, I would have said Jordan Henderson because he's struggled a bit in the past months. But uh, now in the past two games, he's shown that he is a great player and still has many things to offer this team. He came in as a sub against Inter and did really well. And yesterday he helped us to win the game against Norwich with a great assist to Diaz. And had a game, good game part from that. Of course, we have a big squad, and uh, I don't think that I don't think that there are many players who will uh, miss out on starting eleven going forward because we need we're going to rotate a lot. Yesterday, both uh, Fabinho and Thiago started on the on the side, and to me, there are two uh, two starting players. Um, we don't have players who are struggling really. Big, uh, we have uh, a few players that can lose their spot going forward. Maybe Matip could lose his spot, but that is because of the quality that Konate is showing, not because that Matip has been uh, performing bad. Mania maybe can lose his spot going forward, but that is because of the quality that uh, Diaz is showing. And uh, I think one of the reasons that we are doing so well now is that we don't have just 11 starting players. We have competition for many of the places in our 11, and that gives Klopp a good chance to keep the players' legs fresh for every game, and he can use, uh, and he can change the squad from game to game and uh, based on the, the teams we play. And of course, yesterday we played Norwich. He could rest a few of the starting players, and we have a cup final next weekend. And I guess we'll see many of the players who rested uh, against uh, Norwich start uh, against Chelsea and be uh, and have fresh legs and can do a, have a good game. Uh, the only player that I'm a bit worried about in our squad now is Curtis Jones. He started against Burnley. He had a really poor first half, and uh, he's been out of the match day squad since that. He's still young, so maybe it's not a big issue. But he didn't really take the chance when he when we had players out during the Afcon when Keita was out, and we had a few injuries. And uh, he played, but he didn't really make the impression that I was hoping. Um, now that we have everyone fit in midfield, I think he will struggle to get time on the pitch. Even a player like Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is ahead of him in the picking order. So I think that Curtis Jones will have a problem to, to get game time in the final months of the season. But apart from that, I, I don't see anyone really struggling in our squad now. Gotcha. I suppose that was maybe a weird question after having on guests that all got positive results and have been on pretty good runs lately. But 
There you go. We'll wrap up with match previews. Jake, you already alluded to it, but you're going to be facing Brentford in your next match. I assume you're pretty optimistic heading into this one. Um, yeah, definitely optimistic at the moment. I think I'd be I'd be optimistic going into any game. Um, I think Saint Maximan should be back from what I'm reading, so that's a boost because as well as he played yesterday, he's definitely our most creative player, and it's always good to have him on the pitch. Um, Brentford are a tough team. They, they they do work hard. They're, they're very fit and they do have a few different unique threats, such as the long throws. So it's a diff- it's an interesting game. Um, but I just think that the two trajectories the teams are on, it, it, it's just going to ultimately end in a, in us getting the three points. I just think that we're, we're playing really well, just full of confidence and Brentford are just going the opposite way. Um, you know, I've thought for a while that Brentford are, are going to sort of drop down the table. And I think if we win on Saturday, we'd go above them. So, you know, that's, that's great motivation for us and, and the way things are going. Um, it's difficult to see us not going there and winning. Of course, we could put in a, a poorer performance and, and maybe um, we are due a bad result. But there's nothing on the pitch at the moment that, that makes me think that. It, it would it would be a surprise. And um, yeah, for that reason, I think we'll, we'll go there and win. Uh, and if we do, I think that really does open up the, the relegation picture and, and drag a few more teams into it. So I think that's good. Good for the other teams down there because, you know, I've seen good things from Burnley recently. Um, but I, I think Jamie is, uh, it, it probably it probably thinks there's a great chance of them catching another team. So I think we'll do them a favour and bring Brentford back into it. That would be very kind of you for both Jamie and the show at large. Uh, <laughs> Thomas, uh, you're going to be hosting Leeds, who put up pretty good fight uh, after going down 2-0 today, got back to 2-2, ended up losing 4-2. Not really having the best of seasons, though. Are you expecting you'll be able to win this one as well? Well, uh, this is, of course, a game that we that we have to win. If we if we want to catch City, we can't afford to drop points at home against Leeds. They're, they're a strange team to play because sometimes they just have the, one of those days when they score three three goals. But they, um, I think they will miss both Phillips and Bamford in this game as well. And uh, Rafinha didn't start today. I'm not sure that he will be ready to start against us. And with the run that we, that we are in now, I can't see us drop points to Leeds. Um, the only thing that worries me a bit is that nothing is worrying me because uh, if the players are feeling, in, feeling that uh, as well, maybe... They- uh, it would drop some focus and uh, be hurt as, as we were in the start against Norwich yesterday because we were behind in, in the second half and uh, if uh, Thiago didn't, uh, hadn't made such a good sub that he, as he did yesterday, maybe it could have been a harder afternoon for us. Perhaps that can make us start uh, the game against Leeds better than we did yesterday so that we don't have to be nervous going into the second half. And I think that Klopp would want us to win this game early so that he can rest a few players in the second half for the cup final on Sunday. It's a difficult t- difficult thing to, to play midweek when you have a final on Sunday, but uh, at home against Leeds, we have to win this game. Gotcha. Well, certainly good luck to both of you. That'll do it for us today. If you want to tell folks where they can find you or anything you're working on, now would be a good time. Yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, you can get me on Twitter at Jake Jackman with two ends, uh, where I post anything that I do, whether that's podcast or written form. Thanks for listening. I'm uh, Thomas Nygren. You can find me on Twitter at Thomas Nygren. I write about Liverpool for a Swedish website called lfcsv.se. Most of our content is in Swedish, but we have a few things in English every week. 
Uh, I am also a regular at the Total Liverpool podcast. It's a podcast in Swedish, but if, uh, if there are any Swedish listeners out there, give it a try. Yeah, and even if you don't already speak Swedish, get your Duolingo skills up, you know, learn you some Swedish and then go check out Thomas's site. Uh, yeah, I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. You can find me on Twitter at Kevroff. You can find the show at EPL Roundtable and by Googling EPL Roundtable or by looking at EPL Roundtable on any of your podcasting things. Okay, I've said EPL Roundtable too many times, so we'll leave it there. Thanks again to these two guys for coming on today. And folks at home, we hope you keep listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.